HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Comté Cheese Association. Comté, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at comté-usa.com. That's c-o-m-t-e-usa.com. This episode is brought to you by Somerset County Tourism. Hear stories from local brewers and distillers from the New Jersey Sip and See Trail on episode 647 of Beer Sessions Radio, wherever you listen to podcasts. Hello, everyone. I am Carlos Yescas. This is our second episode talking about one of my favorite topics, raw milk cheese. What is it and what is not? Recently, in episode 497, air October 11, 2022, I talked to Mariano Gonzalez of Grafton Village Cheese Company about raw, thermalized, and pasteurized milk for cheese production in the United States. The production of raw milk cheese in North America is constantly under threat from the FDA and the CDC in the U.S., and by the extension by Health Canada, north of the border, and the Sagarpa and Cofepris in Mexico. Antiquated regulations dating back to the 1960s still define what raw milk cheese is, what can be produced, imported, and sold. The environment of fear created by regulators and lawyers who profit from suing producers have made us all less safe. What is more detrimental is that many times U.S. regulations are exported and used as the basis to create local standards elsewhere. This is the case of raw milk regulation in the rest of the continent. The 60-day aging rule is an international standard for the Americas and is currently applicable to producers from Alaska to Patagonia. Only recently, Brazil has started to look for a new standard and, we're, and we will hear about what's happening there in a future episode this season. In continental Europe, the story is a bit different. Rommel production is also under threat, but standards allow for many more styles of cheese to be produced. But today we are going to talk about the situation in England. And for that, I have one of the founders and current chair of the Royal Milk Producers Association. Yoni Crickmore is 
cheesemaker at Fenn Farm Dairy. He and his wife, Dulce, began their cheesemaking journey back in 2013 after success in direct raw milk sales and introducing the milk vending machine concept in the UK. With a mission to make UK's first raw milk brie-style cheese, inspired by the famous Brie d'Amour cheese from France, they went out to make Baron Bygod. Over the last nine years, Johnny has helped build the business alongside working towards his goal of making the farm carbon negative over the coming years. He is also now vice chair for the Specialty Cheesemakers Association. Welcome to the show, Johnny. Hi, Carlos. Hi. I want to start today talking about your journey selling raw milk to become one of the most respected cheesemakers in the country. Can you tell us your have you always been involved in milk production? Yeah, yes. Um, so it's my life, really. Um, I've been um, I've been a dairy farmer um, all my life, and my you know I've, I've been brought up on on this farm where we are now, uh, Fen Farm Dairy. Um, so in fact, I'm third generation dairy farmer. So um, for most of my life, up until when I became thirty one, um, we 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 produced milk commercially and sold it to um various sort of big processing companies over the years nice and so when did you decide that you wanted to make cheese or had you always made cheese on the side of the milk production no 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 i actually had absolutely no idea how to make cheese at all <laughs> up until um 2012 um i mean it 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 kind of it it started that the whole you know diversification on the farm it started from from being um frustrated um and fed up with the industry as it was and um and it, you know through my teens and my 20s when i, I finished school and uh, and started work on the farm um you know it, it was always this sort of negative uh, vibe in the dairy industry in the uk of farmers not get feeling like they were being paid enough and seeing dairy farmers exit the industry. Um, and, uh, and, and then coupled with that, we were, um, you know, in a, in a position where our farm, where we'd started to breed our cows to Holstein. Uh, and I don't think the breed really fitted with, with the style of farming, what, what, what we enjoyed doing. And, um, it was a it was a combination of all of these things sort of coming together. Where in my late twenties, I thought, no, this is just like I, I, this is this is not fun. I don't like enjoy getting up in the morning anymore. And um, and we we then went um, out looking, me and my wife Dulcie, um, for um, something else to do on our farm, which wasn't just re totally reliant on 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 uh, milk being sold to a big milk processor. Um, and that's, I mean, this, you know, I, 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 the story is quite long, but we, we, um, we looked into a, originally, uh, free range hen farming, but it was the free range hen farming where we come across this honesty box style, um, shop at, at, at the actual, um, farms. And, and it was so simple. It was just like a, a garden shed put near the end of the, the drive, near the road, and in it, the free-range hen farmer sold eggs. And, and, and I was amazed, actually, how many people were coming and buying these eggs. And I, and I said, as we went home um, to my wife, Dulcie, I go, what, 
why don't we do that with raw milk? Or why don't we do that with milk? I didn't say raw milk at the time. It was just, why don't we do that with milk? And um, and we thought, well, what have we got to lose? Like, you know, let's buy ourselves a little garden shed, make it look attractive. Let's paint it like a cow. <laughs> and literally, we'll just start bottling up milk from our, our cat herd of cows every morning, putting it in this little shed uh, and, and see what happened. Uh, and that's what really began our journey to where we are now. That sounds like such a fantastic way of turning around a business. But so you mentioned that you had a type of cows and then did you change the type of cows or did you just maintain that? But just uh, instead of selling to the to the market, you were just selling it as bottle for yourself. Yeah, well, what we I mean, everything changed from that point because with the with the little shed, it became you know, it was a great success and it was really rewarding. So we're putting in bottles of raw milk and we, we thought we had a chance of like doing something different here because you couldn't get a hold of raw milk, um, you, you know, and you certainly couldn't buy it in the shops. And, and, and people kept coming back and they wrote in our comments book, oh, your milk tastes fantastic. You know, I can't believe milk tastes like this. And, and, it, and, it, and it just saw like all of a sudden like, there was like a penny dropped. We realized all of a sudden, like all this time we've been chasing for, for, for more, more milk, more liters, more yield from cow, um, quantity. We were, we were trying to get quantity when actually what we should do is actually focus on quality and the breed of cow, the Holstein, it was just kind of always, it was just like, actually we don't need to like, like if we don't enjoy this, farming these style of cows like just just not do it like people are buying this milk because it tastes good so therefore if you get cows where the milk quality is better higher fats higher proteins you know more more milk from grass and you know then people are responding to quality so i mean you know the next step was we looked into doing other things with our milk other than just selling it through our little shed and that's when the cheese idea come along And that's when we we looked into different breed a different breed of cow with, with with our herd. Nice. And so, what type of cow did you did you change to? Well, with with the cheese, um, it, it was the it was the decision to make cheese which made us change our breed of cow. And the way that happened was, we went on a on a sort of like a journey around the UK. Uh, like at this point, we had no idea on cheese at all. I didn't. I didn't know how to make it i knew very little of the different varieties of cheese um but as we started to we 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 chose to visit people who were farmers and they made cheese so they had we had something in common with them except for that we didn't make cheese so it so we we went on this journey visited these farmers and um and started to understand the 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 british cheese industry Uh, or the farmhouse British cheese industry, and, and and then we we started to learn more and more. We started to learn who these people were, where they sold their cheese to, mm -hmm. and then once we understood where the cheese went, we then we then we then contacted the cheese buyers, and uh, you know the, the, these were a lot of the shops were in London, and one in particular, Neil's Yard Dairy. We 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 contacted them and said, "Can we come and visit you? We're thinking about making cheese." They said, "Yeah, definitely, come come over." And and it was it was from that point we then saw 
like all of these British artisan cheeses on the counter, and Neil's got dairy, and in the middle there sat this like French cheese, the imposter. It's like, <laughs> what is this doing here? And um, and uh, you know, and 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 they said, well, no one really makes this type of cheese in the UK. No one makes a raw cow's milk brie, and and it just like it was like that was the that was it. You know, it's like this is what we've, we're here to do. This is our our mission. We've got to make a cheese as good as Brie de Meaux. And we're going to like knock it off the shelf from the Neil's Yard dairy counter. And um, so the next thing what we did is like, how do we make a cheese as good as the French? Well, we really need to speak to someone who's French to start to learn from them. And we, we got in touch with this French cheesemaker called Ivan Larcher. And he, he, he was interested in working with us on this project. It sounded exciting. Um, and he he said, well, you know, if we're going to do it properly, what, what breed of cow have you got? And and I said, Holstein. And he said, oh, well, you know, like he, he looked at the fats and the proteins of the milk and he said, well, that's not really going to work. You, you've got to have like, you know, it starts with the animal. It starts with the cow, the, the milk. And, uh, you know, you've got to you've got to get that bit right before the other bits come. So he suggested changing our breed of cow. So we changed, we, we went to France um, because he was French and he knew the right breeds um, for, for making the Brie de Meaux. And, um, and we, we eventually chose the Montbelliard cow, which is uh, it was a popular cow in, in France for cheese making. Um, and uh, the next thing we were on this um, plane to, um, to the, the, the southwest of France and uh, sorry, sorry, southeast of France, uh, in the Jura region, the Swiss-French border, and uh, we were going up and down these beautiful uh, uh, mountains, like going, stopping at small farms, buying these Montbelliard cows, all of which the milk went into cheese making, in particular Comte, um, and uh, we brought them back back to the UK in 2012, and that's what was the beginning of the change of our herd. Wow, what a wonderful story! And here in the show, we have heard uh, the, the name of Ivan Larcher many times, and we know that he has gone and tinkered with a lot of production. So, so this is a great story as well. And, and so I guess I have to ask, do you actually like this Bristol cheese? Did you like it when you, when you tasted it there? Or was it just really a commercial decision that, you know, we need to fill this gap? Um, well, no, I do. I do genuinely. I mean, actually, around that time, it's like once I started discovering cheeses, I was thinking, you know, it was like, oh, my God, like what I've been missing all my life. It's like <laughs> this stuff is so good. So, you you know, it, it just like it doesn't matter at the end of the day if the cheese is good, whatever variety is it. it it's uh, you just want to eat more of it. But but I do I do genuinely like brie. And um, and I remember the, the brie de Meaux, you know, tasting it. Um, and you know, I've eaten brie before, but, um, nothing quite as delicious as that cheese. Um, so, so yeah, it was, um, I didn't mind at all. Once, once I got my focus on, on, on this, on this, this, um, this, this cheese to, 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 to try and, uh, replicate then, then, uh, you know, yeah, it was just, yeah, ne never looked back. Nice. And I I love I love your cheese, and one of the things that I think mm, a lot of people miss about this uh, or mis misunderstand about this cheese is that 
Normally, when we say that something is a bristle, we're talking about you know a cheese that is bloomy rind, you know, and it has a, a production process. But you went all out and not only make you know the bloomy rind or the product, but you also went for a size that is the original size of brie. And I think that's so important in making this cheese. Was that a conscious decision of of you know the size, or or was it more? A um, you know these are the 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 sizes of molds that there are, and it's just easier as opposed to making maybe something smaller uh, in in size. Yeah, I mean we 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 just simply set our our goal was to make the breed of mo, and and there was no you know there was no sort of um, you know like um, there was anything what was going to stop us doing it that size. You know, and and the, and in the same style and the same way of making it, it, you know, we really, we really didn't want to miss anything. I started to understand from listening to other cheesemakers that it's the detail. You mustn't check, you know, the the small stuff. If you start taking some of those, you know, things out, the way you make it and the the, the size it is, and then you won't get something as close to it. And and uh, you know the the three kilogram cheese is a hard cheese to make. Um, it's definitely easier making smaller ones. Um, but uh, but but yeah, I mean, I, I'm very proud that we we stuck to, to doing it because it it wasn't easy in the beginning days. Um, but but I do, I yeah, I do think the large cheeses there is something quite special about them. The 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 uh, I don't know. It's it's my favourite favorite size is the three kilogram wheel definitely um and i think that that's why normally i don't like calling this cheese oh you know other other people call it brie style and i'm like that that is just not it's just not that he's following a style it is actually a cheese that is following so much more uh than, than this and 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 i think that we need a better language to speak about your cheese uh, as opposed to just referring to Sabri style from England, <laughs> what what is the um, what was the reception? You know, you you, you obviously had a, a, a sort of an entry with New York New York Yard Dairy, but what has been the sort of reception of other retailers, other uh, people in in England for for your cheese? Uh, it's it's been brilliant. Um, I mean, right from the word go, like uh, you know, involving New Yard Dairy from the beginning, like. You know, it it, it um, they started supporting us and buying it, and it wasn't easy to begin with. The cheese was inconsistent, and we didn't understand what we were doing very well. Um, but but it it did it did have this you know unique different flavour, which which you know hat wasn't a it wasn't or still isn't around in the UK, um, and uh, and in it in it, it it really wasn't hard. To, to sell the cheese um, in the, you know, with the, as the months progressed from when we started making it, more and more people found out about us. And, you know, we didn't like go out advertising it. It just, just people discovered us. And it, I think it was just because we, 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 we didn't go down the easy route. We did go, you know, make a cheese, which was the easiest cheese to make. And, and, and therefore um, made us more unique and made it more interesting. You know, this single herd milk from Suffolk making a raw cow's milk brie, <laughs> um, you know, it, 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 it yeah, in, it, unique in itself. And, and it's just, 
you know, it just it kept once people bought it, they came kept coming back to buy it. Um and it's been that case ever since, really. Um, but it, but it's all all the you know, it's it's become it's become a sort of a, a key cheese to have on your counter. It, it seems in the UK now for 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 delis and farm shops and the, and the people we choose to sell to as well. Um, you know, we we could have sold to 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 so many more customers, but we chose to sell to 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 a certain crowd of people. Um, and, and I think that, you know, being us being loyal to them as they've been loyal back again. Definitely. Um, do you, do you have a sense, uh, if at the beginning people were, uh, more excited that it was a breeze style made in England or that it was a, a raw milk cheese as well? Or do you think it was, you know, all sort of the same package? Yeah, that's a hard one to truly say. I think I think I think that the, the story to begin with was exciting, and it was enough to to lure people in and to to get to get cheese, you know, buyers, wholesalers to at least give it a go and try. So, yeah, it, it's a, it's a combin. It was a combination, I think, of of being a raw raw milk brie. But also being like a, a a dairy farmer making cheese, and actually there isn't that many of us who do that. There isn't many, even though we, we you know we've got a great like growing cheese industry, uh, artisan cheese industry in the UK. There there isn't that many of us um, who genuine who are truly farmers who make cheese on their farm. So, uh, you know, so I. I think it's a combination of several things. Why, what, 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 what got people interested in the cheese to begin with? And so, you make raw milk cheese uh, every day, or is that an, a decision that you have to make sort of day by day? It's just really mostly down to the, the the quantity required at the time of the year. You know, like Christmas time, we're making seven days a week, so mm -hmm. that's right now, um, and. Um, And but in this, you know, and there's there are times of the year when we just don't have enough milk and we just make everything into cheese and the other products then suffer. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it is it is about just really about supply and demand. I mean, there is only so far we can go and we're aware of that and we don't intend to buy in other milk to make our cheese. It, it is always going to be from Fen Farm. Um, so we've we've set ourselves um We set ourselves rules which we we don't want to break. That's good. What what other products do you make on top of uh, Baron Violet? So so we make um, uh, a butter, um, so a cultured um, uh, raw milk butter um, called Bungie butter, named after our little town where, where we're where our farm is based. Um, and that that product came around from um, a few years after the cheese that. That, that there seem to be a lot a lot of our customers who we sell to in London uh, buy French uh, Normandy butter, uh, butter from Brittany as well. Um, and, you know, again, it sort of like rose, raised the question as like, you know, why can't, if, if you're going to France to buy this butter because you think it's better than what we're making in the UK, like, you know, why is that? You know, there's no reason we can't do something like that too. So, That was another sort of um, 
mission what we ha- we had mm-hmm. um and uh yeah and, and in, in its in its own right uh bungie butter is um has has grown over the years and um and it regularly gets sort of mentioned in uh national newspapers as sort of um uh the best premium brand <laughs> butter um got a lot we've got a lot of um celebrity fans who um who uh can't can't not have it in their fridges I'm sure you're benefiting right now from the butterboards um, that are everywhere. For the, sorry, Carlos, the butterboards. Oh, you don't know them? <laughs> They're all over TikTok. No. You, I, I will send you after the show a, a video because I, I think they're very interesting. Oh. I'm sure our listeners know exactly what I'm talking about. And, and they'll be very happy to also share their butterboards. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to have to. I, I, I just don't get off the farm much. So I don't know much of what's going on on TikTok. Um, yeah, that sounds really interesting. Yeah, please do. Send Perfect. it over. All right. Uh, this sounds like a great moment to take a break. Uh, we'll be right back after listening from our sponsors. episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Conte Cheese Association. Conte Cheese Association represents the Conte PDO, Conte Protected Designation of Origin in the USA. Conte is a raw milk cooked pressed cheese from the Jura Mountains of France. There, every day, 2,500 family farms deliver milk to over 150 local cheesemaking facilities, or fruitiers. This milk must be transformed into Conté within 24 hours of milking to preserve the lactic microflora in the milk, ensuring the cheese's aromatic potential. About 105 gallons of milk are required to craft a single wheel of Conté. Conté takes time to acquire its flavors in the affinage cellars. After eight months of aging by dedicated affineurs on average, each wheel of Conté is graded and shipped to market. No wheel of Conté is the same. Its flavors speak to the pastures where the cows grazed, the season in which it was made, the particular craftsmanship of the cheesemaker, and the time spent in the aging cellar. Therefore, every wheel of Conte is unique. Learn more about Conte, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at Conte-USA.com. That's C-O-M-T-E hyphen U-S-A dot com. I'm Jimmy Carboni, host of Beer Sessions Radio on HRN. I recently hosted a live podcasting event with local beer and spirits makers from beautiful Somerset County, New Jersey. We spoke on the farm that is home to Flounder Brewery and Belmar Distillery, one of the most beautiful stops along the Sip and See craft beverage trail. To me, those two worlds, brewery and distillery, are extremely complementing businesses, especially in a unique location like this. So it immediately helped this become a destination to have a great experience, whether it's the beer atmosphere we've got going in here on the old barns or the great experience you can have in there with these incredible cocktails that are created there. It's complementary to each other. You can have two completely different experiences all within a 10-foot walk from each other. Before the event, I was able to tour the area and see the historic Bridge Tender's house along the serene DNR Canal, walk the bike and hiking trails, and take in the lush farmland. 
Then we settled into the centuries-old Dutch barn turned brewery for a lively discussion. It was always important for us to create our space, our livelihood that we want to share with everybody else of being a community-centric location. It is what makes us a brewery in this state different from a barn or restaurant. Um, you know, we're obviously family-friendly here. Um, we have a lot of different groups that have their meetings here during the week. We just really want to become a community hub. You can listen to this episode of Beer Sessions Radio, available wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks again to Somerset County Tourism for supporting this episode. Learn more about the Sip and See Passport Program at visitsomersetnj.org. That's visit S-O-M-E-R-S-E-T-N-J dot org. All right, we are back. I'm Carlos Yescas, and I'm today with Johnny Crickmore. We have been talking about his journey from um, milk producer to cheesemaker, and now we're going to take a bit of a turn to start talking about uh, the work that Johnny does with the raw milk uh, producers Association uh, and what is happening in the UK in that uh, space. So, uh, Jenny, can you tell us about this uh, organization that you help uh, start and um, what are what are the aims of it? Yeah, so the Raw Milk Producers Association, um, we're now around four, four or five years, five years probably from the, the, the original idea. And, and it, it came about from um, this sort of uh, popular movement, you know, a, a growing movement of of dairy farmers producing uh, raw milk from their from their herds. Uh, now we're going sort of ten years back, and um, I think you know with the UK, the the rules and regulations around raw drinking milk is um, uh, rather peculiar, and um, and they don't always make sense, and uh, we're at this time, this period of time where. Um, there was um, illnesses related to raw drinking milk, and it was becoming quite worrying. Um, uh, you know where where this was going, and we um, we were um, a few of us who who produced raw milk were getting worried that the Food Standards Agency in the UK were probably going to ban it. Um, so that would be a really bad bad thing for not only raw drinking milk but also for raw milk cheeses and raw milk dairy products. Um, because once you know one one was banned, there was the chance that it could roll on to the next products. So so we 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 discussed the idea that was myself and um, Bronwyn Percival from Neil's Yard Dairy that um, that the best thing to do is actually go uh, get in touch with the Food Standards Agency and go and meet them in London and just talk about it. And it seems quite straightforward, really, but. Um, I suppose, like you always think, it's us against them. But um, on this on this um, situation, once we actually met with them, it, it really wasn't, and they genuinely wanted to um, just really help sort the, the the situation out and try and uh, get it so that um, people could still get access to raw milk. Um, but it it didn't have um, that you know the at the time you know illnesses related to it. So, so we we came about with this idea of like let, let's just invite everybody who produces raw milk um, to a day in somewhere in the cent- central part of the UK where we could all meet meet and just talk about it and like come up with a solution. 
And um, and exactly what we did. And we got a huge amount of uh, the producers around the UK came to that meeting that day. And uh, we proposed this idea of um, setting up a producers group, um, which would be there to uh, help uh, raw, raw, raw milk producers in any issues, what they were having at the time. Someone you could come to and, 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 and in confidence discuss your, your problems and um and also to be there as a something to you know to educate our members um you know to so we could um we we learn you know we learn safe ways of producing raw milk and 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 that's when the raw milk producers association was created and we we um you know we since then we've um we've got a good two-thirds of the uk's raw milk producers um as members um and um and and it's been a great success the uh it, you know any related illnesses as at the moment touch wood there isn't any and there hasn't been for a, a good year and a half uh connected with raw milk in the in the UK which has been a great success um and it's just down to sharing uh, sharing um information with each other um and also working with the food standards agency so they're the regulator we're the producer and um and having that good relationship uh where at the end of the day we're just trying to get the same outcome um it, it's 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 working well um and um yeah it's it, it, it's you know the food standards agency look at it as a a great success from their part as well. That's so refreshing to hear, especially for someone coming from the US uh, and North America, that you know you can go and talk to the regulator and they want to help out. <laughs> um, that's always what we have learned, yeah. that you know in the UK, the system may be a bit better uh, than what we have on the other side of the, the ocean. What was your... Um, as you say, you know, you went, tried to talk to them. What what was sort of your final aim for for that meeting? Just to establish a connection, or did you were hopeful that they will create, uh, help you create standards and and all this? Yeah, I mean, it really was the the original meeting was just to get a bit of a feeling of like, you know, ha, you know, just get get a get the feeling of like the 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 people at the FSA, you know what where were where were they you know where what sort of vibe were they they going to give off and and so we really didn't know i mean we, we we could have sat down with a bunch of people who were sat we're going to tell us that raw milk is evil and every you know all all milk should be pasteurized raw milk should be banned we could have had the same conversation um but um but thankfully they the people are quite open minded um you know i th i think the the good thing about the the food standards agency in the UK is that the majority of the people behind it understand that people need to um, you know people have should be given choices. It's just that they need to be explained to like the risks around things because um, every food has got a risk in some shape or form. Um, you just need to be you know you just need to be told about it really as long as you're aware of what you're doing then that should be fine um where it like where it goes wrong worse the worst thing is when you do ban it because then you get 
the wrong kind of people going into the, you know, the industry, uh, you know, producing this stuff, you know, uh, I suppose you call it the black market, wouldn't you? So, um, you know, which is the wrong, the wrong approach. It's, it should be, you know, allowed for anyone to produce it, but then under a certain sort of set of, of, um, of, um, of, of, you know, regulations. Right. Uh, no, and and I think that's so important. Uh, those two things that you just said. One is that you know consumers need uh, to understand and give them the choice and you know the proper information, but also that the regulator should be open to having these conversations. Um, do you have a sense that uh, the the you know the proverbial question here that anything may change because of Brexit. Um, you know there was before a you know very welcoming space in 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 Europe, but now um, you know the U the UK trying to get into a trade agreement with the United States may create a pressure from the other side to to change regulation. Yeah, it, it's really quite hard to tell that right now. Um, I, I mean, uh, I think we are. A little bit worried that um, you know that coming out of Europe that um, things could change for the worse, um, but yeah, I, I, it's hard, Carlos, to to truly say at the moment. I mean, when when you're you, you know previously when we were you know had stronger connections with say like France and so, some of the other sort of um, um, you know bigger raw milk cheese um, producing countries, then. I felt that 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 would have been only a, a strong place to be, but um, um, yeah, it, we we just got to like work work hard on it and you know get our point across. Um, but but at the moment, I, th I think I think um, we're in an okay position. Oh, that is very encouraging, especially since the. Uh, current prime minister wants to sell more British cheese in the world, <laughs> and um, yeah, uh, as we all know, um, the. So we, you know, for our, for my listeners, for our listeners in the U.S., this cheese will be one of those cheeses that only coming to the U.K. they'll be able uh, to taste. Do you think is a disservice to to your own um, sort of cheese that these cannot be exported somewhere else? And is that a is that a feeling of all the producers of raw milk cheese in the in the U.K.? Yeah, I, I it's it's a it's tough one. Uh, with the with the the regulations in the U.S., um, yeah, it, it, to be quite honest, it's difficult um, in the distance as well for the for the the soft cheeses um, for the for the time it takes to get from the U.K. to the U.S. Um, so, you know, I, sometimes it's you know life just isn't fair, <laughs> is it? Um, but um, uh, yeah, I. I don't know enough about the sort of the 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 field with the FDA and the US, um, you know whether there's anything like that going to change in the future, um, but uh, we are hopeful that uh, in some shape or form that we can get our cheese to the US at some point, even if we ended up making it in the US. Um, there 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 does seem. It seemed like such a shame because I've I've been to the US. I I love going to the US and and uh, on holiday. And I every time I go there, I I always feel like there's an there was a there's always a, this gap which doesn't <laughs> seem to be filled by by anybody in the US of making a cheese like us. So um, 
I don't know. Watch this space. Is <laughs> Fantastic. That's that's very hopeful way to to get into that. And I guess my um, my last question for the day it will be: What do you hope is the future for uh, you know Romul cheese production in the UK, Romul cheese consumption in the UK? Um, is is do you think it's a brighter future uh, at the moment? I do. I think it is a it's a great future for, um, for you know it's a growing industry in the UK um, uh, uh, for raw milk cheeses um, and um, and as year on year you know what what you, you know the the field between you know ourselves and uh, and our sort of fellow raw milk cheese producers is that it our sales are going up and growing. Um, it's it's not a, a, an industry which is going to like explode because um, it's not easy. It's not an easy thing to go into. You have to have a certain sort of set of um, criteria, which, which for you to, to do say like the likes of what we're doing at the farm, you, first of all, you've got to, you've got either got to be the farmer, which becomes difficult because you have to, you know, change you, the, the, the thing, what you do, you're a farmer, you know, all of a sudden you've got to be a food producer. And to do both of those is quite, quite a challenge, quite a different mindset. And then there's the other op- option, which is you, uh, you as the cheesemaker can partner up with the farmer and make cheese on that farm. But then again, that is difficult because the farmer's probably in a long-term contract with a milk buyer. So, so it, you know, it, it's not an easy thing to go into. There's a huge amount of capital investment to, you know, to start off from fresh. And then, like, you could, the other argument of coming into this is, like, you know, I'll just buy a few a few cows and a small holding and then I'll start making cheese. But then the problem comes is that you don't have a life anymore because all you do is, like, milk cows and make cheese because the cows have to be milked twice a day. So it, it, in from all angles, it's not an easy thing to come into. It's incredibly rewarding when you get there. But so what I'm in 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 summary is that there is a great opportunity in the UK, and we need more cheesemakers. Um, but it's something which is incredibly challenging to get into and to actually get it to a size which it's it's a viable business. It's 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 not easy. Yeah, no, it's, it's definitely not, but I think it, uh, you are leaving us here with some hope that uh, at least the consumers is out there waiting for for the product and if people were uh, willing to to go into all, everything that you and Dulcie have done, you know, there is a market out there for for these products. Yeah, uh, no doubt about it. There's 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 demand is there. It's um you've just you've got to have the appetite to uh, take on the challenge as the harvest bit. <laughs> definitely. Well, uh, I thank you today, uh, Johnny, for everything, uh, for, for your time and, and your knowledge sharing it with us. I'm sure that our listeners in the U.S. Uh, will be very happy to hear your story and hopefully we'll get to come to the U.K. and try taste your cheese. Yeah, that'd be fantastic. Thank you. Thanks, Carlos. Um, this is it for today. Uh, we will be back next month talking about Brazilian cheeses. Um, uh, for the season. Uh, I thank you f- uh, for listening and remember to follow Cutting the Curd and the Heritage Radio Network wherever you f- use social media. Thank you. Bye. Cutting the Curd is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe. <laughs>